These two young men with the most serious challenge of their careers inside this 12-foot-high steel cage. You know, opening presents is a tradition on Christmas, but for the world champions of the Midnight Rockers, there's going to be a 12-foot-high steel present to be opened up. And it will not be opened up again until there's a winner, or in this case, a survivor. For seven long months, we've been going at it, and now it's coming to a head in St. Paul. And you know, all the people of the Twin Cities have been asking the Rockers, at 21 years old and 23 years old, are you ready to put your careers on the line? Well, the answer is yes. We are ready to do just about anything that we have to do to take care of Buddy Rose and Doug Summers. And if we have to put our bodies on the line, you can bet that we're going to do it because we're trying to be nice guys and we are going to take care of business on Christmas night. You know, Larry, this is the ultimate in professional wrestling, the steel cage, because there is no getting away. The fan is satisfied because he knows he's going to see blood and some butt whipping. And the wrestlers are satisfied because they know that inside a steel cage, the score is going to be settled once and for all. That only the best man, that only the man is ready to survive and keep his career going is going to climb out this cage a winner. And in this case, like Raw in St. Paul, Christmas night, inside the steel cage, get tickets now. My buddy Rose, Doug Pretty Boy Summers, and the Midnight Rockers get locked inside this 12-foot high steel cage. The dog, you see this dog right here? They take dogs like this and they put them in kennels behind cages. You know what else they do? They took Ted Bundy and they put him in a cage. They put Charles Manson in a cage. And now they want to put the world champions in a cage. Doug Summers and myself in this cage on Christmas night. What kind of a Christmas present is it? Vern Gagne, if you're listening. Stanley Blackburn, if you're listening, which you haven't done for the last four weeks. We told you we didn't want to do it. But no, you said we had to do it or else. We were through in the AWA. All right, rockers, we're going to come to war in this cage. And you know what that means? That means anybody can run anybody's head into the cage and careers can be ended. And you guys are going to have heads like heads on lattice. And I'm going to take your head and I'm going to run your heads right through the cage along with Summers running the other one through the cage. One way or the other. All right, now, no. You can't get in the cage. Nobody can. Nobody can. Nobody goes out. You are outside. No interference from you. This is not right. There is no way. I don't want him in here. No outside interference. Nobody's ever gotten out of a cage. But I'll tell you what. I can fight. I've been wrestling for 13 years. Summers have been wrestling for 13 years. And we got these two young punks. They're too stupid to quit. And we're really dumb when they went and got in this cage. Because you know what, Rockers? I'm going to tell you what. We're coming out strong, and the world champions are going to step into that ring, and we are going to maim you and put you out of wrestling once and for all. Thursday Inside night. Paul, the brawl will be settled for all. And that's the way Nobody's Paul. taking my The playboy and the pretty boy inside Wrestling Reflection presents Pro Wrestling's Greatest Rivalries.
host, the professor, Chabelo Veracruz. Tommy Wonder and JB. We revisit the greatest grudge matches of all time. To the Magnificent Seven. Happy New Year to the Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, the Essential Eleven, and all points in between. Happy birthday to the PW... Not happy birthday. Happy New Year to the PWCites. Happy New Year to the Big Vitoites out there. You know what? It's been a whole damn year since I even said anything. Since I haven't done an intro for the PWR podcast here at the PWSL Networks at Podbeam.com. I don't know if I still got it in me. You know, it's like riding a bike. Sometimes you fall off, and you got to get back on that, on the two-wheelers. But I don't need the training wheels. I know how to do this thing that is called the PWR Podcast, the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. Happy 2020, deuce! That's the way it's going to go. Not 20, deuce, deuce. I don't like it. I don't like it. I've never loved it. I like 2020, deuce. That's the way it's going to be. And with that being said, I am your host with the most. I am the magnanimous one. Yeah, you see, I have to remember this stuff. It's it's coming back to me. I am the spontaneous one, but most importantly, I am the girl. Are you bored? Are you tired? Am I putting you to sleep? My God, cold. It just very cold. I hate the state. I, I love cold weather. I love the North Pole. But anyway, I'm the glorious one. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC. The only objective man in this podcast, punditry. The Professor Chababa Cruz. And I'm not here alone in 2020. Deuce. I got my tag team partner. I got my main man. I got the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative. I got a man who's had an iron stomach all year round. He hasn't thrown up. He hasn't been shitting. He hasn't done anything. He eats crap and wants seconds and thirds. He's your friend and mine. Sometimes people say he looks like Santa Claus. I don't see it, but maybe, you know, he's got a big fat belly. I don't know. I don't, you know, the ladies will tell me. They'll slide into the DMs and say that he's got a big belly. But I don't think, you know, the ladies are not going to say he's got a big belly. He's got something else big there. But I don't even want to hear that, ladies. But don't worry about it. He's your friend and mine, Mr. Wonderful. Tommy Strong, a.k.a. The Tommy Wonder. Happy 2020. Deuce, my friend. How are you doing? You got the Adam Cole baby hat. That don't, that NXT hat doesn't mean nothing. You got to get the AEW. Here comes the boom hat. You got to get that. Listen, take it easy with giving my money to AEW. I did buy the All Elite baby shirt, and if I could find it, I was going to wear it. But it's I'd a start. Come- I, I know it's a start. Yeah. I think I'm going to get the Sting shirt, too. They didn't have to plaster AEW all over the damn thing, then I, I, it wouldn't be such a hard pill to swallow. Matter of fact, I had my Adam Cole Bebe, uh, gold Bebe shirt on at the gym earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got a little, like, 
hanging tag of the NXT logo. That I like, but the WWE shirts where they got that sewn-on WWE authentic, I hated that shit. Mm-hmm. I hate it. You know, it, listen, man. People know who the hell you are. We know. We know where they work. We don't need mm-hmm. the damn thing to say all this, all that. But my buddy Dennis, he got the uh, "Here Comes the Boom" shirt, and truth be told, I would have gotten that one over all of the baby. Okay. But I've been saying baby my whole damn life. Adam Cole says it, so that's why I buy all the stuff that says baby. When people see me when I'm out and about, they have no idea it's a wrestling thing. <laughs> they think I'm just buying merch for myself. But uh, I'll, I'll be honest enough to say that I stole it from Chris Jericho on Nitro. So, mm-hmm. And he probably stole it from somebody else. So the end of the day, you know, it's just, baby, that's why I spell mine B-A-B-A-Y, not B-A-Y-B-A-Y. Um, but two things you said in your intro. One, we all know about your DM, so it's always inside of you. We, all, we already know who's catching. Mm-hmm. Two, you love the cold weather because... The cold makes everyone else equal to you when you're at regular full staff. So that's why you like it. I hate the damn cold. In two weeks, I will cold. be Wait a in minute. South cold Beach. Is... I know. I know. You're going to be Shrink in it. South Beach. Shrink you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be in South Beach. You're going to be in 70-degree weather. But you know what? The cold... 80. Oh, 80. Okay, whatever. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be sliding into JB's hometown. That's that's what you're doing. It's called a booty yeah. call reflection. He's doing a booty call for mm-hmm. the prodigal one, JB. But cold weather you know what cold weather does tw you find shrinkage. that certain sub no it ain't shrinkage it's co- it's, called, <laughs> it's called cuffing season it's cuddling with the the one you want to be with the one you want to smash and don't tell me don't, don't don't say cuffing. i want to smash what the, hell is, what's, what the hell's cuffing season you don't know what cuffing season oh, is? Yeah, with the oh, times. in in jail you're cuffing in jail you guys are handcuffed docking is what you're talking about Hell, well, you know, I get the get the lube out there, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. But anyway, <laughs> let's get going. And, and I wanted to start twenty twenty Deuce TW. You know, we could have went. You know, we could have gone episodic. I felt it was too soon to go episodic. We got to save it for maybe next week or something like that. We had to right. do a special theme, and we ended twenty twenty wonder with a theme of the of the spotlight for Brody Lee. So I said, you know what? Let's start 2020 Deuce with a very special theme show. And I think we're going to educate the Reflection Ice TW. I don't I think we're doing the greatest rivalries, Magnificent Seven Elite 899. And people, TW, are not gonna understand why I picked this because maybe I'll we should call this an untapped potential greatest rivalry because these two teams here really contributed it contributed to the American Wrestling Association that was run by Vern Gagne in the 80s. I picked the Midnight Rockers, or as people know them, as just the Rockers with Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty against Pretty Boy Doug Summers and Playboy Buddy Rose. Now, before we get into the tag teams per se and their gimmicks, their characters, TW, the reason I picked this is because what was happening in 1986, TW, within the AWA? Now, let's just go like this way, TW. Follow me here and see if you agree, disagree, have a different take. Now, remember, Hulkamania left AWA in late 83. Jesse Ventura left. Bobby the Brain Heenan left. That first wave of TWA stalwarts, Tito Santana, Dr. D. David Schultz, Johnny Valiant, all these guys 
No, yeah, well, we'll give Slaughter a little bit of there, too. They left to go to New York and be with Vince McMahon Jr., and, of course, they're starting that rock and wrestling expansion. So Vern Gagne was in, a, was in a quandary. He had to try to substitute those people that he lost. And after he lost Hulkamania, their number one draw was actually a tag team. It wasn't the heavyweight champion. I mean, Nick Bockwinkle and the AWA world title is always a draw. But, you know, they had the, the title to Ricky Martel, as, the, as Rod Tronga used to call him. Pretty Ricky Martel. So Nick Bockwinkle was always in the chase for it. But the number one attraction that a lot of people did not really notice was the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. They ruled AWA with ticket sales and buy rates and all that. Well, not buy rates, but you know what I mean. They put asses and seats in all the AWA territories. Merch. Merch, of course. Merch is important. From 84 to the middle of 85, they were dominant, a dominating tag team. You know, and of course, 80s sprung with the tag team scenes. You got the Road Warriors, got the Rock and Roll Express. You got, you know, Rhodes and Koloff, the superpowers. You got, we're going to talk about the Rockers. We're going to talk about the, fan, you know, the Fantastic Midnight Express. But the Road Warriors were there, but then they started to leave in 86. They, they did their little commitments in 86 in AWA, but they were going to go full-fledged to the NWA. They went to the Crockett's. So, who, again, Vern Gagne was in a quandary. So who could carry the mantle for tag team wrestling in 86? Surprisingly, this is why I picked this as the greatest robberies. These two tag teams picked up the mantle and carried the AWA. At least this was an attraction. This put asses in seats. I don't know if they sold out, but at least there was 80% capacity. What say UTW about that reasoning of greatest robberies? So the beginning of this rivalry, neither one of them are tag champs, right? Correct. And it's just like uh, two teams taking each other on. And I believe inevitably Summers and Rose won the belts from Hall and Hennig. Right. Is that they, So Hall and, and Hennig and, was the tag team that filled in for the Road Warriors leaving because they mm-hmm. kind of just threw them together because Scott Hall was a rookie and they brought him in there. And I always say this. So, again, it's going to look like I'm praising McMahon, but I'm going to show you how NWA and AWA both had Scott Hall before he was Scott Hall. I mean, before he was Razor Ramon, mm-hmm. they both had him, and both of them tried to make him the next Magnum TA, right? Which mm-hmm. I think we've we've talked about this before. How how Magnum would have done in in New York? I think he wouldn't have been a country bumpkin, and and that's the problem I think with NWA version and AWA versions of Scott Hall. They made him like this southern guy, which is going to make him regional. It wasn't until he became Razor Ramon that he's – everybody likes him, right? Just international, for that matter. He's he, – everybody likes him. So now when he goes back to the NWL or A as WCW, as Scott Hall, people don't even realize he's the same guy. That's how different Razor Ramon was, how he was used. And I think – I don't know if, if Magnum would have got a – a terrible gimmick with Vince because we know that's a 50-50 shot, but I mm-hmm. think they would have made him like Magnum P.I. or, or they would have made him more Hollywood than Hillbilly. And well, Tom, I Tom think, Selleck, yeah, you're right. It's yeah, just Tom Selleck. Right, right. With, with but the they mustache. were the Hillbilly version is what mm-hmm. they were. They weren't the superstar. They weren't Hollywood. And so I think Scott Hall is a perfect example of, of proving that Vince doesn't have to have or do something first. He just has to have a shot at it, and he's going to make it better. And and here, I would say Vern used the Rockers better than Vince did because he didn't even keep them together long enough to put the belts on them. They did put belts on them once, but they got 
they beat each other up in the locker room, so they reversed it and took the belts off of them. Um, well, we get it. I'll, get it. I'll give you the logistics of the, of the Midnight but, but Rockers in The Midnight Rockers did more in AWA than the Rockers did in WWE. They, but don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. the WWE stuff is what made them my favorite tag team of all time, but I also watched them in AWA. And the cool thing about them, and I'm going to actually give AEW a little bit of a, of a compliment here. The cool thing about the AWA, about the NWA is... You, if you were known in Continental Wrestling as the Midnight Rockers, when you came to the AWA, you were known as the Rockers, the Midnight Rockers. I like that they let people develop their own characters and gimmicks and then mm-hmm. sign them and kept them as that, right? They didn't, you know, like Vince had to drop Midnight off of it, which actually I don't think was a bad idea because, um, you know, let's be honest, if, if Demolition is going to get called the Road Warrior ripoff, the Midnight Rockers, not only are they being ripoff of the Rock and Roll Express, but also the Midnight Express, which mm-hmm. is why they had both names. But they're also, the thing that blew me away about all this is you don't realize it, and, and, and I don't know if you know this, but back in the 80s, if you were in the WWE, you were in your 30s. There weren't many dudes 20-something years old running around a WWE ring. If mm-hmm. they were, they were doing jobs. Shawn Michaels was 20 years old when this feud started, and Jannetty was 22. I, right. I started wrestling at 20 years old. There ain't no way in hell I would have been ready to be what Shawn is here in this feud, like you said, carrying the promotion because they were the attraction. And I and I will say this, I've always thought this. I'm sure Travis will want to fist fight me. I'm sure all the southern hillbillies will want to fight me. You fight never convinced me otherwise. The Rock and Roll Express might have been the original, but the Midnight Rockers were the better. The Rockers were both built better. They both had personality. They both wrestled better. Like they mm-hmm. weren't really athletic, the Midnight or the Rock and Roll Express. They, they did the double drop kick. That's it. Mo- the Midnight Express, I mean, not, uh, the Midnight Rockers are the Rockers. We're more right. fluid. I will agree with yeah. you 100%. More polished. Let, let, more polished. Let's just go with this reflection ice before we get into the rivalries and certain matches that I had TW watch. The Midnight Rockers actually were, were created even before the AWA TW. It's a fun fact. CWA. They were the CWA. Yeah, but they were not called the Midnight Rockers. They were just, oh. to- they were just together, but they were, uh, they were part of a crew of people, so they kind of interjected with each other. It was actually Greg Gagne, when they, they brought them into the AWA in 86, he gave them the name the Midnight Rockers, of course, combining the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express. Everybody knows that the Rock and Roll Express are the the gold standards in creating teeny bopper sensation tag teams for the girls to yell at and, and scream and throw their panties up. That formula worked in the Southern Wrestling Territories. So after the Rock and Roll Express, then you got the Fantastics. And after the Fantastics, then you got the Midnight Rockers. And if this could be a debate reflection. I said, TW, you probably already said it. Midnight Rockers are maybe the gold standard to you in terms of overall accomplishments and maybe the, the rock and roll express is your silver medalist and your fan taxes are, are the, are the bronze medalist. Take it back one rockers. Fantastics rock and roll express. The fantastic. Oh, you put them down even below the fantastics. Wow. Look, man, I'm not, I'm not knocking the rock and roll express, but the rock and roll express was a one man show. It was Ricky Morton and Robert just happened to be the guy he tagged in <laughs> Robert. And that's no offense to Robert, Robert, wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about Robert Gibson if he wasn't part of the tag team with Ricky Morton? We'd be yeah, talking okay. about Ricky Morton. We'd mm-hmm. still be talking about Ricky Morton and the Fantastics. They needed each other. Neither one of them. That that was the beauty of it. They were equals, 
And they just, but again, you have to know why I love them, the UWF. They mm-hmm. were the Rock and Roll Express or the Midnight Rockers of the UWF. They feuded with Eddie Gilbert and whoever he put in front of them, uh, John Tatum and, and Jack Victory. But the Fantastics, they did a lot more tag team moves. They were more athletic. They looked better. They they did it. And then there's another team that you I thought you were going to throw them in there. The Lightning little, Express? Tim Horn and Brad Armstrong, I like them, but they to me they were a knockoff of the Fantastics. As a matter of fact, they were in UWF. That's where they got mm-hmm. paired up. But uh, but no, the uh, the fabulous ones, they were oh. they to me would have been a better heel team, right? Do the same mm-hmm. things the Rock and Roll Express did, but as heels, like Pretty Boy, Cocky, whatever. But they had that more rated they, R. They had they, they had, had more, more rated R look because it was Trippendale. Well, no, I get you. They're more Trippendale, more rated R. I get you, but. To me, I don't put them in the same category, and this is just me, TW. But the fa- fabulous ones are more stacked. They're more. St- they have more stature. Right, than right. The two of them than either, right. either those three teams. And, and even one went on Express. to become the better version of the Midnight Express. I don't care how much you like Dennis Condry, mm-hmm. Stan Lane, right. and Bobby Eaton. By the way, let's bump the rock and roll to number four because okay. the Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton is is better. Matter of fact, I would even put them above the Fantastics. I would go Rockers. Midnight Express, this, this Fantastic, is, Rock and Roll Express. This is this is turning into a tag team spotlight. I was even trying to, but anyway, let's try to get back into this rivalries here. So let's focus on the Midnight Rockers, and we know that Greg Gagne created, well, not created, but at least put them together because he knew that there was chemistry. Because Marty was there first, then Shawn Michaels after his tours in the the Texas Indies, you could say, went up to Minnesota, and then Greg Gagne put them together in the Midnight Rockers. Now, let's just stick with the uh, the Rock and Roll Express, TW, before you compare every other tag team. Let's just keep it with the Rock and Roll Express, okay? <laughs> Can you follow right. me, TW? Can you follow me? Now, hey, the Midnight we're, Rockers. We're still talking themes. Yes. The, the Midnight Rockers, I, Greg Gagne's vision, before we even talk about these matches, his vision was Shawn Michaels was Ricky Morton because he took all the bumps. And actually right. it was consistent even in the WWE that Shawn Michaels would take the bumps and Marty Jannetty would get would beat the Robert Gibson and getting the hot tag. The only difference is Marty Jannetty is more athletic, more, you know, fluid than Robert Gibson. So it, they look more equal. What's AEW about that? Um, I will say you're absolutely right. And real quick, I have to go get a different charger because my thing just said 8%, but I'm going to answer your question. I have a lightning fast charger now. I'm going to switch it out, but I did. I haven't used this iPad in weeks. I don't know why all of a sudden it said I got eight percent. Um, so while watching this, it, it dawned on me. I feel like we. Who are the two guys? Well, three guys. There's three guys who we talk about. So we need a fourth guy for the Mount Rushmore of it for for selling. It's mm-hmm. Ricky Morton. It's Ricky Steamboat. It's Daniel Bryan. Right. Mm-hmm. The fourth guy is Shawn Michaels. And I don't. I, I realized watching these matches, we don't talk about Shawn Michaels the seller nearly as much as those guys because we're always talking about him as the bumper, which mm-hmm. he bumped so much as a heel that he wasn't really. And he let's be honest, most of his career post Rockers, he was a heel till he came back. Um, so he was Mister Perfect to me. Those are your two best bumpers of all time, Perfect okay. and 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 Shawn for over the top. Ric Flair gets some thrown in there, but his is almost a mockery. Right? Like Sean Hulk Hogan SummerSlam. It's something, it's something you expect from Ric Flair. Right. 
No, no, but I mean, I mean, it's too over the top. Like the flip over the rope, running to the corner and getting body slammed. To me, that's right up there with Moxley falling through the second. I just called him Moxley. Ambrose falling through the second rope and bounced back up. Uh, mm-hmm. The other guy that I told you did the move where I was impressed until he did it every match. Um, I can't remember who that guy was, but uh, but anyways, Shawn Michaels took a beating like a champ. Yeah, I, I'm gonna run it. Keep talking. I'm going to run and grab my other charger real quick, all right? Because now okay. it's making noises at 5%. Hold on. Oh, okay. But keep well, talking. I can hear you. I can hear well, you. While TW is scouring for a charger for all the reflection eyes, so this way the man can still hear you. Can hear. I know he can still hear me. And, he, you know, he's a, the invisible T1, T, Tommy Wonder anyway. But look at it this way. When I look at the Midnight Rockers, and TW is right that they had a better run in the AWA. Why I say that? I think Greg Gagne wanted Shawn Michaels to be the Ricky Morton is because of of these matches that we saw. He was going to take the bumps. He was going to get more sympathy. And maybe, and I'm being maybe sexist here, maybe misogynistic, maybe he thinks blonde-haired and blue-eyed guys were more empathetic so you could, you know, feel sorry for. And Marty Jannetty being that Italian bruiser with the brown hair and and brown eyes, you know, T.W., I think that's what it was. He was supposed to be the the hitman. He was warrior. To hot top. He was supposed to be the warrior, whatever the case may be. So, TW agree with that. That that's why you know Marty was going to be the jacked up man that that gets the hot tags and gets the victories, while Shawn Michaels was going to get all the sympathy and maybe all the empathy from the girls. It's it's, it's you can't help but watch these matches and and not think of the old saying: this guy is the Marty Jannetty. Of the tag team, right? Mm-hmm. So, at the end of the day, you watch it and you think, like, when whenever I watch Rockers matches, never once did I ever go, Marty's the weak link. They were equals to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, in this rivalry, I'd almost say you would watch it and think Marty was the guy. You know, he's 22, the other one's 20. He's got long hair. He's got more of a polished look. Sean is is uh he's green. Sean he is, looks green. He looks like a virgin but, but I mean, and all that stuff with the right, short hair. Right. Yeah, he looks like a little fake Ricky Schroeder or something in there. But uh <laughs> but as this feud gains momentum and time, you know, the the steel cage match is seven months in and then and that's before they even get the tag title shot, which is weird to me that you're in a cage and it's not for a tag belt when you're chasing yeah. the champions. Um into that. Um but th- Sean is growing his hair out, and he's starting to look the part. And it's funny that they wear white tights on the night that everybody bleeds. I bet you they threw those tights away. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, it just—it just—it you watch it, and, and Marty's just in incredible shape here. Like twenty-two years old, Sean, I believe, played college football or high school and college football. I think maybe not college because he didn't go very long, but. He was built like a kid that probably played college football or high school football in Texas, and he had to chisel it down. Like he had that mm-hmm. hay- hayseed build, even though he's little. Right. But he got he got it, and now I think people would arguably say Shawn Michaels post steroids is probably one of the greatest builds in wrestling. Like built for wrestling, right? Like mm-hmm. I would say, I would say Omega has a build patterned after Shawn Michaels. I would say. Um, you know, all those younger guys in AEW, Adam Cole, God bless him, he's 5'4", but all those guys. Adam Page. Adam Page is a little bigger, I think, but but they, 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 they it's obvious Shawn Michaels left his mark in modern wrestling. and mm-hmm. uh, Of course. 
And so for me, I just think uh, Sean and Marty watching them here, it's, 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 like, it's mind-blowing that they're 20 and 22 years old and by the end of this 21 and 23. And, but it's, it's crazy to me that Marty's thought of as the wink link. You know, obviously they're basing it on post-success from becoming, you know, the Rockers or whatnot. But well, it, that's the it, well, that's the business NTW that that people thought of it with. That's the running joke with Marty. You know, who is the Marty Janetti of something? That that's the running right. joke of, of anything, which is a is an insult to Marty Janetti because he's had a very successful wrestling career. So you know, it's more of an inside, not an, even an inside joke. That's more of an IWC YWC joke. You know, comparing right. tag teams who split up. So no disrespect to Marty. No, no, Janetti. no, 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 no. That was around in ninety five, ninety six when we were people were t- telling me. Or Rico, we were the Marty Janetti of the of the Rudos. Oh, okay. It's been around forever. It's 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 mm-hmm. way before the IWC YWC. Oh, okay. Well, YWC. I stand correct in reflection, but before we get into the rivalry CW, we have to go to the other side of the gambit in this rivalries edition. We have to give props where props is due because they need a foil, and in in terms of everything, they need a foil to do what they do best. You know, be fluid, be creative, be, you know, charismatic and be fast in this ring. And pretty boy Doug Summers and playboy Buddy Rose, T.W., the character, you know, actually worked for some strange reason. Maybe it was, it was the AWA because I don't think it would have worked in WWF for the Rock and Wrestling Connection and the, the image and the look of it. They would have been jobbers. And before you even say anything, T.W., it was. No, no, no. Before I knew you were going to say that. But during this run in 86, Buddy Rose and Doug Summers were not doing the back and forth with WWF. They at least stayed in the run of AWA to be, you know, main event mid-carters, you could say. So they did not do that run. It was after they lost the titles that they kind of did that back and forth between AWA and other things. So that before you even talked about that jobber, I knew you were going to put that in. You're going to sprinkle that in. They were not jobbers in WWF during this tag team run in 86 and a little bit of 87. So let's put it this way. Wow. You know what? Let me just stop it right here. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just telling you I'm going to go look for my password because once I sign in, I can switch over. But go ahead. Uh-oh. Well, you know, sorry about that technical difficulties. This is Biden. <laughs> this is Joe Biden reflection. I, the, the, you know, this is, the, yeah. this is 2020 deuce. What can you do? What can you really do? Impeach. Yeah, well, you know, impeach? I don't know. Man. You know, what, what's the better choice? You want Kamala Harris? I don't know. You no, want Pelosi? Right. You know, that, that's on you. You want to impeach? Go ahead. That's on you. See, me being you're an right. independent. I, I, stand, I stand corrected. You're right. I vote for the sun. That's why I keep telling people, vote for the sun. The sun never disappoints. Well, I guess it disappoints TW because it's always cold. So that's why he doesn't even vote for the sun either. So he's got to vote for a space. I vote for the sun. I vote yeah, for the so, damn sun forever because I can't stand being cold. Yeah, I know. But anyway, pretty Playboy Buddy Rose. I love the character of Playboy Buddy Rose, even as a jobber in WWE and even in the 90s. But at least in 1986, the man was 271 pounds. And this, the most simplistic gimmick is telling the ring announcer, I don't weigh 271 pounds I weigh a stack chiseled 217 pounds and everybody in the audience is looking at his gut and saying, you are a fat bastard. It is so simplistic TW and it works so well. Why did it work so well TW? Cause he had personality, he had charisma and 
one of the matches, they actually say to him, um, 200, and you could tell it was a green announcer. It was in that big arena that why would you wrestle in a football place that you're only going to draw the same amount of fans as a bingo well, that, hall? That was Wrestle Rock. That was Wrestle Rock. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, I think they were overzealous on that one, but it was, mm-hmm. it was a good crowd. Um, but, uh, he goes 271 and he goes, no, 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 no. I'm 217. And, and the crowd popped, you know, they mm-hmm. popped for it. And I will say this, cause we talked so much about the rockers. I got to, my phone's going to die and we're going to a blip in the show. And then I'm going to be reappearing. But, um, buddy Rose to me is dusty roads without them. Cowboy boots. Right. Oh, wow. He, what a comparison. He, no, 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 no. I don't, I'm not saying it's good. But I'm saying I think that's the the goal here. Mm-hmm. And ironically enough, uh, Doug Summers, who, by the way, more than one time and more than one match, Lee Marshall or Lee whatever that guy's name is, not Lee Marshall, the other guy, that the guy looks like George Lucas, he okay. called him George Summers. And I kept going, is that his real name, George? And this dude slipping up because he kept calling him George Summers. After the cage match where they're all bloody, he goes, Sherry's over there checking on George Summers. And I'm like, that's the second time he's called him George Summers. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and not the Wrestle Rock match. The match before he was announced as Playboy. They were both Playboy. And then it was changed to Pretty Boy. Mm-hmm. Pretty Boy Doug Summers. But he's built like Dick Murdoch. So when you watch him, it's like Murdoch and Rhodes. And his name's Buddy Rose. Mm-hmm. Um I would think a lot of people probably think he was mocking Ric Flair or, or Nick and Ric Flair stuff because he was flashy and bleach blonde or whatnot. But mm-hmm. he, I think him, his, he, he was the AWA's Dusty, but a heel. And and Doug, D- Dick, was Dick <laughs> Murdoch. No, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So this is almost like watching the Rock and Roll Express versus Dusty and Dick, if, if it were to happen. Versus the and Outlaw. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, and so... But that's the cool thing about wrestling back there is even though this isn't territory days, this is really the end of territories when when you got AWA, WWF, and NWA all going, it's killing mm-hmm. world class, end up merging with USWA, you know, the AWA world class and Memphis all became that. Um, it, it it's almost makes you excited like for today, AEW, while not at WWE's WWE's level, I'm sure I just made some people mad. They're getting, uh, you know, they're getting bigger, and Impact, you know, I think maybe they peaked. Maybe they're not going to be the fourth one. NWA mm-hmm. certainly doesn't seem to be. But I'll tell you what, the, the landscape of wrestling right now, I'm going to make a little prediction. Okay. All these guys that just got let go are all Triple H guys. If Triple H could somehow, no pun intended, wrestle three letters away from the WWE, there's going to be a fourth player in the game, and it's going to be WCW. They're Triple H, Stephanie, and and Regal, and uh, I'm stunned Shawn Michaels isn't gone now. I mean, it, it was so obvious all the Triple well, H guys got this yeah. sweet, right? If Triple H can find an investor to do that. Oh, he's going to find it? He's, well, he's, he's, he's loaded. His wife's loaded. Shane, bring Shane in. Shane's Again, the, he's, we don't know. Maybe bring Eric Bischoff because he had the contest yes, to make a yes. – to you know, reboot WCW and didn't work out, but he needs the TV. But anyway, we wanted to at least give credence to Playboy, Buddy Rose, and Pretty Boy Doug Summers because in actuality, TW, they were doing their job too. They're the Wiley veterans, give or take, that Rose and Summers 
by this time in 86, they were in the business at least 15 years, give or take. So they knew what to do in the ring. They knew the psychology, and they knew that their job was to get these young 20-year-old kids over. So, and the first match we're going to do was from April 1st, 1986. It was at the Las Vegas Sports Pavilion Hotel. This was on ESPN's uh, All-Star Wrestling. And, T.W., this was a couple of weeks before Russell Rock 86. So, to me, when I look at this match, and, of course, the first match here, the, the Midnight Rockers defeat Rose and Summers because none of them were the AWA Tag Team Champions. The current Tag Team Champions at this point was Scott Hall and Kurt Henning. So, T.W., I look at this match, and if you, you could talk about anything in this first match with uh, Marty Jannetty winning by a fly, high cross uh, body press. I saw, I saw a lot of, let's just say, this first match, there was a lot of discombobulation. I think they were so quick in this match that Rose and Summers was like, what the hell are we doing? We get, we're trying to keep up with these kids. They're flashy. Right. They're trying to make an impression. And you could, and to me, you know, when you're a kid, the Rockers are exciting. The Rockers are fast. So I'm not looking at it from a standpoint like, like now at 44 years old. I'm, I'm looking at, when I look at this match, when I looked at this right now, I said that, damn, they got to slow down. They got to work with Rose and Summers. I know, and I can look at it here, TW, but give that wrestling eye. I think the Rockers were trying to impress not only Greg Gagne and Vern Gagne, but they were trying to, like, show the, the, the wrestling fans that they belonged on ESPN, they belonged on primetime. What say you, TW, about that? Um, so I don't think they purposely were trying to outshine Rose and Summers, and I'll give you an example of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in the business training from 93 of December – and I had my first match in, in May of 94. So my first 11 matches were against Rico. Um, and, you know, I, I started telling you before that I don't even remember who my first guy I wrestled was not named Rico, but I think it was this match because this was in the summer. All us BCW Canadian guys, we did a show at this place called California's in Windsor, and it mm-hmm. was dead. It was dead. The wrestling ring was in a sand volleyball pit, so there's sand everywhere. That made it suck even more. Um, the only people really there are the boys and the waitresses that are like knockoff Hooter girls who are serving, you know, food and drinks. These people are playing volleyball and, you know, just kind of like a summertime deal, like cocktail Tom Cruise type thing, right? And the guy I'm wrestling is Iris Bobby Clancy. He's still a good friend of mine to this day. Um, he uh, has a reputation for being fast and stiff, right? Not the mm-hmm. stiff like you're sliding into your DM, stiff like hitting guys for real. And we've talked about this a million times. Travis calls me potato because I hit him for real, because I wanted people to leave the place thinking wrestling was real, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, I expected Travis to hit me back. He didn't because he's working with two broken wrists. Hey. But uh, anyhow, <laughs> that's for the girlfriend. So anyhow, I was pulled aside. It was Bobby Clancy, who, by the way, is probably a year older than me, maybe two. And at the time, I'm 20 years old. About I'm coming up on 21. I might even be 21 at this point, or I'm right there at you know, this bar. But it's 19 and older at this point in Canada. So everyone says, listen, Tommy, you're working Bobby Clancy. He goes fast. He, he works stiff. So just keep up. You know, Basically, they're warning me, don't let him eat me up. 
but keep mm-hmm. up. Don't don't get embarrassed. And okay. I think this is be a good night. Side note: I had the not pile driver album, but the WWE the Music Volume One on cassette, and I decide I'm going to come to the ring. The sexy boy, ironically enough, and Irish okay. Mickey Doyle, who trained me, thought it would be funnier to put the other side of the tape in. So when they introduced Too Hot Tommy Wonder from, uh, I don't I don't know if I was from Wonderland at that point yet, and when they said my name and I was 207 and I'm whatever I'm from, all I hear is, also ironic, yay, 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 And I came to the ring to Tatanka's music, furious. So now I'm already mad, right? And I get in the ring with Bobby Clancy, who's, He's a little dude. He inevitably became Pitbull Bobby Clancy, which was a great name for him because he looked like a little Pitbull. He's all gassed up, just all mm-hmm. muscle, but little, you know, like 5'6", five, 5'7", five, at most. Um, he looked like Dynamite Kid, actually, a lot, but then jacked. And so we wrestle, and we did the H- Hogan Orndor spot from uh, the, the big events in Toronto. That's a big popular match from the Canadian guy's side where Hogan mm-hmm. whips Orndorff into the corner, and Orndorff reverses it and hits him with the clothesline, and he bumps out of the corner. Well, Orndorff got bumped. I bumped like that. And right. I'm just I'm just keeping up. That's all I'm doing. And the only people watching are the boys and the waitresses. And all of a sudden, I hear Bobby Clancy say four words after saying, he goes, Tommy, slow down, ease up. That's what I was doing. <laughs> Now, that's 1994, so you're talking, what is this, 2022? Okay, yeah. 28 years later, when I see Bobby Clancy, one of us says, slow down, ease up, right? Mm -hmm. And I I, I basically earned my stripes that night because everybody was like, Tommy Wonder got told to slow down and lighten up by Bobby Clancy, who everyone was like, Fuck that guy. He's a potato thrower, right? So it's really mm-hmm. his fault that I threw potatoes, Travis, if you happen to listen to this one. So my point is, with the Rockers and Buddy Rose, especially them being 20, because that's what I was, was 20 and 22, they're just trying not to embarrass themselves, right? And in doing so, you might even draw some heat from Rose and Summers, because now they might be thinking you're making us look bad and thinking right. they're doing it on purpose when they're not, but... You know that bloody match. Um, well, don't, don't talk about the bloody match. I know no, what you want to compare I'm gonna, it. I'm gonna I'm gonna reference something. There okay. was the, not the cage, the other blood match. Mm-hmm. Buddy Rose or Doug Summers is kicking Shawn Michaels in his cuts on his head so hard that I was just going, "There's no way he's not mad at him right now." Like he did something because he is. I mean, full boot to the forehead where he gigged. Right. Okay. And maybe he was doing it to make him bleed better. I don't know, but all I know is he was potatoing him, and a foot to the head hurts way more than a fist to the head. I let me tell you, fist to the right. head is almost a grazing blow. A foot to the head is stomping a mud hole in you, for lack of a better term. So in the first match, you kind of agree that they're trying to be fast, yeah. but I think yeah. in looking at the situation, like like. Reflection as I have to remind people this again, the role wars are gone in about a in about a month uh, Hall and Henning are going to split because 
Vern Gagne needs them to be single stars. So he sees bigger aspirations for them. Of course, Kurt Henning will become the heavyweight champion next year in 87. But we're already we're, – we're far away from that TW. But – in the in the tag team landscape, that's why I say in this first match in April of '86, the Rockers are trying to make an impression not only on ESPN but to Vern Gagne, saying that we we can handle the pressure. We can ha- if you give us the ball, we'll run with it. And that's why I thought that. And you got the Road Wars, the Legion of Doom from the WWE days. So TW, that that's why I wanted to say that they're trying to impress. And that and what you're saying, oh, you got. Is that Buff Batwheel or Rick Martell? Rick Martell. Okay. Well, see, I knew it was one or the other. But anyway, but TW, that's why I'm, I'm trying to say they're trying to make an impression. And you're saying that, you know, the, the old Wiley veterans are trying to keep up. But then I didn't think they were trying to embarrass them. I thought they were just trying to, like, they were fearing maybe their jobs. Maybe they were fearing, like, they didn't want to go lower on the card. That, that's the way I looked at it. And, of course, the Rockers won the first match here from April 86. So, again, I guess there's no fear of losing your job if Vern Gagne is going to put you over. That's what I'm trying well, to say. You know, it's funny because that's something that crossed my mind, too, when I'm like, I'm like, I remember Buddy Buddy Rob, Rob, Rob Roberts, Buddy Rose would do jobs on, like, primetime wrestling or even Saturday or Sunday morning wrestling, and he wore mm-hmm. a leather hat. I remember. And he still called himself Playboy Buddy Rose because Mike Milkman Milk. That was 1990. Him. That was 1990. No, no, I, I know that, but. What I'm saying, well, that's because mm-hmm. the writing was on the wall at that point. Of course. But I, I, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Buddy Rose, Doug Summers is kind of like a Rick Mark or Rick, uh, damn it. Tom Zink? No, uh, Robert Gibson. He, oh, okay. uh, he looks like Richie Sambora, so I always call him Richie. <laughs> so he he's kind of like that. Like, Buddy Rose is carrying Summers, but they work well together. It's like John Tatum and Jack Victory. John Tatum is doing all the heavy lifting. Jack mm-hmm. Victory is just a young guy following behind him. Um, and I'm watching him going, he has it. He doesn't have the best build, but it's not mm-hmm. terrible. You know, it, it right. looks like he likes beer and wings, but he mm-hmm. looks like he can hold his own. His hair was, he probably could have did something different with his hair to be taken a little more serious. Because I would say Adrian Adonis, even before he went adorable, that obviously was just what the fuck but but when he was mm-hmm. still adrian adonis with blonde hair i think he looked tougher with the black hair you know what i mean like so playboy buddy rose it, i don't think it worked for him like you said it wouldn't have worked in new york trying to be a rick flair type guy with that look mm-hmm. but as travis would call him he was a good hand and i just kept thinking why wouldn't this guy go to New York? Because I bet you they would have used him for the same reason, to, to groom younger guys, not groom them like Pat Patterson, just groom them to better stars. But I bet you he thought to himself, Vince. Those butt, those butt cheeks hurt by Pat Patterson. Put me over. I'm staying here. He's putting me over. You're mm-hmm. dropping me out. I'm going to stay here. And, and I'll bet you that's why. And then when he needed money, hey, hey, I'll do your jobs, and then I'll still wrestle on uh, – but that was the funny thing, because by 90, me and you both got cable for a couple of years at this point. We're watching mm-hmm. AWA on ESPN at 4 o'clock every day. I popped when I saw Jake M- M- Milkman Milliman in the ring. And when he lost him, I, it, I'm still embarrassed to this day that it, I never grasped the idea that these guys were going to lose every time. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, the mm-hmm. greatest job match of all time. I've never called it that. And so right now, 
is Iron Mike Sharp versus Tito Santana where the time limit was going to run out, and he hit the flying burrito and got the three count right as Superstars ended, and it went to the next cartoon that came on. You know the match we've talked about on here before. The last 20 minutes of Superstars was those two, and they kept going to commercial. And then they mm-hmm. come back, and Tito was trying to beat him, and it finally hits him, pins him, one, two, three, and then it literally is the next show comes on. It's it's right. so brilliant. It's so underlooked. It's so undervalued, really, because ironically, my older brother had said to me, which I have an answer for him now if he was still alive. He says, you don't ever see them stomping their feet before they punch, or you don't, you don't notice every, every week it ends, it just, the matches end in just enough time. Well, easily that's, because it's recorded, jackass. But of as a course. kid, we thought it was It's pre-taped. It was right, we thought it was <laughs> yeah. live as a kid. So that's mm-hmm. why he's like, they all fit in the time. And then when Tito and I and Mark Sharp had that match, my brother watched with me, and I go, right there, mother, he, he almost didn't make it. He made it at the very end, and my brother was like, damn. Like, it made him think, maybe there is some, because, like, Tito was hustling in that match. Like, he was, like, Dustin There Rose. was intrigue. There was intrigue right. if you did it right. So, yeah, I get, right. I get you. I, I totally understand. And and when you talk about that, and then you talk about this match here, then we'll talk about the second match, because the second match, I got a lot of questions. Maybe not a lot of questions, a lot of gripes about it, because it was so stupid in certain ways. But... The old Wally veterans, they kept up as much as they could with the rock, with the Midnight Rockers. And, you know, and, and, and to me, this is the start of the rivalry. As, as we see the maturation, and you even said it even early in the in the reflection show, there was a maturation with Shawn Michaels with, in terms of his hair, but also his confidence. There was a maturation with Marty Jannetty in his confidence and, and the fluidity of the Rockers. There's also a maturation with these Four combustible elements, and we haven't even talked about the managerette, sensational <laughs> Sherry. She made that word up on the spot. Sherry, Sherry Martell added a great dimension with this rivalry, and of course, a great chemistry and a great gimmick. She's the hottest woman in AWA, hanging around with two of the ugliest dudes. TW, Let, let's talk about Sherry Martell. That why the gimmick even worked. And Jack Victory. Mm-hmm. She was a sandbagger. She's like you, like they call you uh, hogger, like you go hogging, right? That's what she is. She's the girl mm-hmm. version of it. And it's funny you call her the hottest chick because she's super hot one minute and homely the next to me, right? Well, for the purposes of, of this, of AWA, she was the woman, She was a former women's world champion, and she's a managerette slash valet, and she's not She's not with the, the buff dude. She's not even worth the rockers. She should be managing the rockers. Ironically, she, she would be, but with both manage. of them down the road. Right. So it's, it's kind of apropos. So that, that's why the, the chemistry with all these combustible elements work. So, again, Marty Jannetty with the high crossbody work. Wins the first match, so they're on the map, TW. They're on the map, Reflection Night, so they're noticed. Now we go into match number two, and this is everybody's favorite, Russell Rock 1986 from the Metrodome in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And it's not, it's not famous because of the matches per se, Reflection Nights. It's famous for the rap that sucked. And the Rockers were on the rap on the rap song of Russell Rock 86. Super Bowl Shuffle. It was a Super Bowl Shuffle type of rap song. It was horrible. And, Vin, and Vern Gagne had the worst rap. Larry Sabisco had the rap, best rap, but that's neither here nor there. But let's talk, <laughs> about the, let's talk about the second match here at Russell Rock 86. 
I had a lot of questions and, and a lot of gripes. The first gripe I had is they brought in this radio DJ did not know how to ring announce. He did not know how to introduce Playboy Buddy Rose and Doug Summers. He was atrocious. And even Sherry Martell had to correct him and say, I'm not a valet. I'm a managerette. And she had to play with him. But you can tell that in their in the back of their minds, if you was a wrestler TW and, and you had a ref, and you had a ring announcer, probably, you know, the, the local DJ or the local ring announcer, or whatever, who don't doesn't know you or doesn't know the wrestling business and knows how to introduce you and you're fucking it up in front of 10,000 people, 20,000 people, TW. It's embarrassing. He's like, yo, you're fucking up. Don't do this. And you're trying to fix something that he's ruining. Would you agree with that assessment or, or you have a different take? It's happened. I've, I've yeah. been on shows where guys didn't know what they were doing and people got hot, but it's one at a time and it goes away. But the cool thing about this is it became something special because they all had to correct him on something. It's kind of like Hogan calling the Superdome, the Silverdome. It became mm-hmm. a running gag, right? So right. if you handle it right, everybody wins. If you don't, it's a black it's a black mark on, on the report card for the overall. But he definitely was – and he, he pulled the Daniel Bryan. He'd mess up and he would just smile. Like, dude, mm-hmm. stop smiling. It ain't funny, dickhead. They're mad at you. And you're about to get your ass whipped by some female wrestlers in a minute. But yeah, yeah. He, he he was. Def- I didn't know that. I thought he was a ring announcer. So he wasn't he was ring announcer. Yeah, no, he was. Know. He was one of those radio DJs that Vern Gagne does business. You know, Vern Gagne was a shrewd businessman in the uh, Twin Cities. He had friendships with radio DJs and television producers and uh, television stations in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So that's where you know he did a favor for them. They did a favor for him. So it was supposed to add clout. And the prestige to Russell Rock, and that's where that radio DJ who bombed for uh, Rose and Summers did that. Gripe number two, TW, was the ending. I had no problem with Buddy Rose and Doug Summers winning and evening their rivalry, TW. I had a problem with the ending because there was some shenanigans, some chicanery. You know how, how the heels go over strong. You know, right. you, you cheat to win. You, you put the ropes on. I had a gripe with Shawn Michaels. Now, T.W., just try to help me out here. I understand that Shawn Michaels is 20 years old, but he's green. But in a tag team match, Los Rudos wouldn't do this. If your man is down and you feel like he's going to be down for the three count, you're going to break up the count. Shawn Michaels did not want to break up the count. He wanted to beat the crap out of Buddy Rose. I had a problem with that. He actually jumped over Marty Jannetty and, and uh, Doug Summers to get to Buddy Rose and forgot that his partner was laying down for the three count. I had no problem with the heels going over strong and winning, but to me it had to make sense. Again, as a kid, you don't see that. You, you're not, you know, it, it's the illusion. But seeing it here at 44 years old, I'm like, dude, you could have made that look a little bit better. I don't know. Maybe, well, maybe it's just me. Here's... Here's where the commentator comes in. Do you remember what they said? I was just mad looking at Shawn Michaels just fucking it up. Right. Well, the commentator covers it by saying he's showing his inexperience. He's he's letting his emotions get the better of him going after Buddy Rose and missed his partner getting pinned. He could have made the save. More than likely, Buddy mm-hmm. Rose was in out of position, and Shawn had to run around to get he's to him. Fat. Of course. Buddy Rose is a fat bastard. Right. You can't do this. Right. But if, if that's the spot and he's 20 years old, he's just doing the spot. Okay. You know, when me and Rico mm-hmm. called spots, I say this all the time. He gets mad at me, but this is how it was. 
if if we if we miss something, he could not move on until we did it again, which is a no no in the wrestling business. You right. you know, you know they've done it. I've got a buddy, Mike Legacy, took the pedigree from Triple H and he botched it in front of mm-hmm. a live crowd for first. It was on Superstars. He did a job on Superstars. Triple H picked him up and did it again, and you don't do that, but you can do that in Pus- Puskevi, New York, or whatever, because they'll just. Didn't, Poughkeepsie because they'll just deny it happened right but that's okay. different that's doing a move when you do an entire spot over again mm-hmm. no because then it looks choreographed right you can't so I would have to just tag in and then do whatever I was going to do before tagging Rico back in so that he mm-hmm. would remember where we were because he's almost rain man about it he, he knows all his spots he knows all my spots and if, if one stuck he, he's the hamster on the wheel he can't go on so Sean mm-hmm. What, what's he supposed to do? Trip over the rope? I do that, but that's a heel move. Trip over right. the rope trying to get in to save your partner. So he probably went for Buddy Rose because that's what they called, and Buddy was out of position, so it made him look stupid running around Marty instead of helping him uh, take the pin. But it also was a uh, – I mean, all, hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, but you are – but, T.W., you are so right as the viewing audience saying that Rod Trungard saved it. But when you're in the mental I don't know if he did. I don't know because oh, okay. I don't. I don't know if he. I, I, I was asking you if you remember what he said because if he does say that, it even though people in the in the people in the Metrodome can then go watch the recaps and go, oh yeah, he is young, so he made a mistake. He just mm-hmm. all right. He's going to learn from it, you know. Um, and 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 it, obviously they do. They they keep they they carry this feud on for seven months, and that's that's the beauty of wrestling. Like I just read yesterday. Uh, Britt Brit Baker? It's not Brooke. It's Britt, right? Mm-hmm. They asked her, when did you know Adam Cole was signing there? And she says, I did it. She goes, I knew the stress he was under. She goes, I was waiting to read. Oh, once I re-signed, I knew he was coming there, which is tampering, right? She can't really say that. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I knew. Once she resigned, I, I'm like, bye-bye, Adam Cole. So she goes... Once he met with Tony Khan, I knew he was coming here because Tony Khan is the best boss in every aspect of the word boss, blah, blah, blah. So she's chugging on him. But she said, he lives with me. He's been to the shows. He knows this audience. And Adam Cole loves wrestling fans more than than he should. She goes, it's annoying at times because he'll take 100 pictures. I've seen videos of Adam Cole and her signing kids' autographs at, like, subway stations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So she said, she said, our fans are the best in the world, bar none, enthusiastic. And I would tell her, they are today, they are not the best fans in the world. These AWA fans here, there's okay, there's old women flipping off Buddy Rob, Buddy Rose and and Doug Summers, ah, you know, because they bought in and they just and they and, and again, there's something nostalgic about it, booing the bad guy, cheering the good guy. I don't necessarily need that. I just need you to boo somebody. I And, and today's wrestling fan is really, they're cheering spots. They're not cheering wrestlers because you're mm-hmm. one bot spot away from them turning on you, right? And, and this saying whole you fucked week, up, yeah. Right, right. And this whole week, it seems like AEW is finally doing something wrong in the eyes of the IWC, YWC, because of all the stuff with Tony Khan and, and Strange, what's her name? Big Swole. <laughs> I can't believe, I can't believe it popped for Strange. Do you, you know what that's from? I know where it's from. Boomerang. Boomerang. Yeah. Of course. 
So him and in there, and then and then um, I, Kenny Omega. I don't know. Yeah, I I did read something that I thought this this guy nailed it, and he's just some Mark who writes an article that seems to be plenty of that on Facebook. And he said, "I'm neither a super fan of Omegas, but I'm also uh, don't think he ruined the show, right? Like he's not. He just doesn't get why people think he's as good as he is, but he doesn't hate him because he's very polarizing. And mm-hmm. you you know better than me because I've heard stuff now since knowing who he is. He wrestled a four year old girl or five year old girl. He wrestled a dummy nine year nine year old girl and a girl, and a blow up doll and a blow up doll. And so he." he called some guy carrying his kid a pedophile and then doubled down on it when the guy said, that's my daughter, dude. I yeah, I heard, I heard about that. I would lose my shit. I would find Kenny Omega if he said some shit like that about me on Twitter because that's what Daisy Fuentes did to me, and I let that bitch have it. And <sighs> and because that you can't take that back. And <sighs> then he said something about – he ripped on Jim Cornette and ended up apologizing to Jim Cornette. And Cornette's like, "What the fuck are you bringing me into this for? I got, no, I got no, all I do is criticize your work, and you're going to bring me into some stuff I got nothing to do with." And so, when you can make people side with Jim Cornette, you can make people, you know, upset with, you know, because basically they asked them to. Uh, they just got to learn. Yeah. With they got to learn to shut up. Yeah. They, they got to learn. Keep it moving. They got to learn yeah. to keep it moving and not acknowledge them. I get what you. Uh, I, I get what you said. I get what but you're what saying I'm, with, but what with I'm, the fan my base. Point is, my point mm-hmm. is, today's fan thinks they're part of the show. AWA, 80s WWF, 90s WWF, NW, even Nitro. That's probably where the shit started was Nitro, these smart marks. But EC, ECW too. But, well, ECW yes. fans, I'm going to give them a pass because they made the show. The ECW fans and ECW. No, but I, I'm, I'm going with what you're saying. It, it, there is some truth to it that we we not only part of the show, but we thought we were the show and we, we made the show and we were too, but they too smart it. for the show. Mm-hmm. They encouraged it. What I mean mm-hmm. is before AW, ECW, I'm not going to blame them because they were encouraged. But AWA fans, NWA fans, WWF fans, they came to see a show. And that, mm-hmm. to me... Is what I was. I didn't come there. If Tito fucking lost, I cried. God damn it! I didn't say, "Oh, who the fuck booked this? This is bullshit." Mm-hmm. Tito lost. I when I see people marking out for belts, wins, and losses, that's when I know they're they're not all there. They're they're if that if that's what they're focused on, I don't even want to know what it's like in their real life when a real problem happens. Because if that wrestling was my escape. It mm-hmm. wasn't the place I went to to get madder. It was the place I went to to calm down. Of and course. so these AWA fans here, that's the whole reason I brought them up, the comparison to then and now we do that. AWA, even in this damn huge football stadium, like they were trying to do Silverdome and it just didn't work out. And this is the year before the Silverdome, right? Mm-hmm. So, so this shit could have scared Vince off because maybe I shouldn't do the Silverdome because these guys couldn't even do – this Minnesota one, whatever the hell this is, the Metrodome. Here, Metrodome. You you can't even draw there. But I don't know that they tried to fill it. They might have just wanted to do the fifty yard line. I don't know. Yeah, but something like that. It's still weird to see all those empty state seats. And and we've talked about this before. Nineteen eighty Shea Stadium, where that place is empty because they put the ring over in right field and they just only did the seats there. Mm-hmm. So you see the other half is all empty. But it has to be because how, how the hell else are you going to see it? <laughs> you can't see it from way over yeah. there. Now, 
Dallas Cowboys got a TV the size of an apartment building, so you can just watch whatever you can't see. When I was at Silverdome, there was dudes watching with binoculars, and you still had the TVs, right? But they were mm-hmm. watching with binoculars just because they wanted to see right up front. Like, not me. I couldn't do that. That's they not. Wanted, they, they wanted to feel it. That's what it yeah. was. But I get what you're saying. I just said, again, when I was a kid, didn't notice it. But I have to look at it and I have to acknowledge it was a bad spot. Rose, yeah. I, I guess I, I'll give it to Rose that he was just too fat to not get in the ring and take the bump. And try to you know discourage Shawn Michaels and, and just you know tackle and that, him and down or something. There's something to be said about what you were saying earlier about speed. Maybe Shawn was supposed to get cut off by Buddy Rose, and he mm-hmm. didn't come in to do it. So Shawn right. just had to keep motoring towards him. So I right. don't think it's Shawn. Shawn being green, uh, ba- basically he could have just tripped coming in. That's 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 really what you want to do is just. Make it look like you came up just shy of it if the other guy's not stopping you. Um, mm-hmm. Or Sherry should have came over and grabbed his leg to cover for it. But those dudes were pretty gassed by the end of these matches. And these, they're course. not five-minute matches. No, it's not. It, these are 15, 20 minutes. So, so look, let's, talk, let's compare these two matches. It's kind of cool because this is the kind of stuff you did on house shows, this kind of stuff you did in territories where you're wrestling a different town every night. They did it different here. The first match, the test of strength with the one-arm push-up and all that stuff, Buddy did that with Sean. This match, he does it with Janetti, but then tags Sean in, who does the moonsault, and mm-hmm. then Buddy acts like he's going to do the moonsault. It was an absolutely beautiful opening spot, and for them to not know 20, 30 years later, we're going to have two guys, one from New Jersey, one from Detroit, critiquing this shit, for, for, for them to have two different openings that are really the same opening, but they did it just different enough that in case somebody in St. Paul decided to drive over to Minneapolis, you know, like, I know mm-hmm. I saw him yesterday, but I'm going to go see him again today. If you see an absolute replica of the show the night before, you're going to be like, hey, hold on a second. What's happening? And that's a little close, but you know what I mean? Someone going from Detroit to Chicago to Grateful Dead, it, you know, just follow the, the, the tour. beauty. The beauty of house shows is to kind of like tweak it. So this way, somebody from a different city got something different. Seven, let's just say 80% is supposed to be the same with the results and maybe the spot at the well, end. They're trying new shit. Yeah. They're trying new shit. So I have to give the devil it's doing it. They did it. The first match and the second match, they, they tweaked it a little bit. And then they added some little kinkers to it. I just had a, I had a problem with the ending. That was it. That was yep. that was my problem with it. So now let's get to match three, which is deemed the most famous match in this rivalry. And the reason is it get you know for the PWI uh, readers, like the 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 Bill After readers, the Meltzer readers, this match put the Rockers, the Midnight Rockers, on the map of respect. It's put the Midnight Rockers in the upper echelon saying we can they are main event draws. They're not the ro- they didn't get a road warrior pop to, to so to speak, but they can be on that level with the Rock and Roll Express. They can be on the level with the Midnight Express and the Fantastics as the top babyface tag team, even Strike Force or even the Can-Am Connection or the Young Styles or whatever the case may be cuz the 80s tag teams of babyfaces were stacked that you could put them in that pedestal, TW. So it was September of 1986. This is already three months into a tag team title reign of Pretty Boy, 
Doug Summers and Playboy Buddy Rose as the tag team champions because they defeated Scott Hall and Kurt Henning because, again, like I said, they were going to be splitting up because Vern Gagne had aspirations of them to be single stars. So whatever the case may be, again, now we're into September, TW. They started in April, and now we're already five months in. So they got a, they got a chemistry. They got a rapport with each other. And this was the best match. The reason, and the number one reason why this was the best match, Reflection Nights, it was blood. Number one, there was blood in this match to give the respect, to give the empathy and the sympathy to the Midnight Rockers of Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. I don't care how they cut themselves. I don't care the spots where they did it. And number two, why I love this match, TW, they actually listened to Rose and Summers or they listened to Ganya. And your your four words. Say those four words that your your guy slow told. down, ease up. This was what you said. They slowed down and they eased up for ESPN All Star Wrestling. This match was perfect. I have no problem with it. And I think, like I said, it got empathy. And the you talk about the AWA crowd. This crowd in Las Vegas. I don't know if they, if they paid at the showboat. If they got a free comp <laughs> to see this. But these were genuine fans that were cheering for the Rockers. And, T.W., this ended in a note. This ended in a double disqualification or no contest, with whatever the case may be. My question to you is, it was ESPN. It was, let's just say it was 4 o'clock on ESPN on cable TV. Do you think Vern Gagne messed up by not pulling the trigger then? What say you? And you can even talk about the match you even see because I, I loved it. This, there was nothing. this this one isn't the cage match, right? No, this one's just a good match. Yeah, this the funny thing is, I I do believe I, I think they did mess up because again, you know, they they made it a couple more years, but they end up losing the Rockers the next year. Um, Buddy Rose and Doug Summers, I don't know where the hell they went. Um, they split, but it. when I watched this, I thought. For sure, this is where they win the belts, and and the, and the, and Rod Trongars has already talked about they're chasing them. They chased them all across the country, and everybody felt like this. Was, and they're on ESPN, so this was the to me the perfect time. But As a kid, is, I'm I intrigued. Sean, this is Sean and Marty's coming out party, if you will. Sean mm-hmm. is selling like he's barely there, and he beats a ten count by doing like a Jack Spry, like, mm-hmm. and the crowd. Pops and and Summers and Rose are like oh like he should have been counted out. It was everything was just done well, well oiled machine. I don't need blood, but they got it. Everybody ends up bleeding. That's the match I talked about where he's kicking out. For some reason I thought that match was after the cage match, um, but no, it's it's the one. So when they end up doing this double DQ, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like because <laughs> they both started beating up referees is what happened. They they were so mm-hmm. mad. So it, it kind of follows the first match where Sean's so heated, he's going after Buddy Rose that he's forgetting, you know, oh, your buddy's getting pinned. You better stop that. And now they're just beating the hell out of each other. But it's their coming out party. But I think the next match is the one where they really botched it because mm-hmm. it's it, it, it's, we'll it, talk that's about the that. grand. But that's the, the, the this led. To the granddaddy of them all, this led to the, you know, the be the big blow-off, if you will. Right. And so when I saw that I still had two more matches to watch, when I watched it, and then I seen it end, and I was like, well, oh. oh I, had, oh, I, had to, the- I had to add that for a reason, because for no, Ganya, no. 
No, no, no. I'm trying to explain to the reflectionites. Vern Gagne frustrated his baby faces so much. And they talked about it. I think even Hulk Hogan even said this, I think, on a documentary. Like, Vern Gagne, or Vern Gagne said it himself. I think it was the AWA doc- documentary. I didn't need Hulk Hogan to be the champion. I needed people paid to see Hulk Hogan chase to be the champion, to, to become the world champion, and then lose, and then pay again to see him try it again. That was Vern Gagne's formula. So, again, with this, you want, ended you in want a, exhibit A of why that does not work? Show, say it. Yeah. Uh, Lex Luger. It killed mm-hmm. him. It killed right. him. You do all that buildup, and then that's no how he wins, and you still drop the balloons? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was there. <laughs> Talk about a bad taste in your mouth. Oh, you're talking about the Lex Express. I thought you were talking yeah. about Luger and Flair. Because no. they messed up there, too. Luger chasing Yokozuna. They turn him full-on babyface. He's riding this momentum. Spends the worst two months of his career in this bus that everybody's jealous of because they think he's got time off, except for he's up at 6 a.m. for meetings, radio shows. Mm-hmm. He, he ends up working more on this bus than the 20-minute match he'd have in a house show. And... uh it just and then it ends that way, and I just listened to Luger on uh, Bradshaw, and of all people, one of the Stooges have a podcast. Luger's oh, on there, and he said, "You know, everybody was mad about that." He goes, "But let, he goes, Vince never promised me the belt. That was the finish the whole time." He said, "Hey, if we're going to put the belt on you, I want to do it at Mania," and that's when they went with Brett instead. And Luger lost by DQ to Yokozuna in that little mm-hmm. tournament type deal. Right. And he said, "Yeah, he never promised me the belt." But I think everybody in hindsight knows that's where they dropped the ball with him. He he could have been something. And Luger himself thought he was going to be All-American just for the summer. Like, that was the theme for SummerSlam. And then he was going to go back to the total package and just, you know, wear blue or yellow or orange or whatever he wore. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, you're going to be Yankee Doodle Dandy the whole time from now here on out. Which did lead to one of my favorite brief tag teams, uh, Bulldog and Lex. Uh, I, the Allied I, I Powers. I liked I liked the name. I liked the idea. I liked everything about it. And I swear they were tag champs. You told me they weren't. But mm-hmm. I remember seeing them, too, with the belts. I don't know if they got them taken away like the Rockers or what. But call it the uh, Mandela effect. But I remember. There's pictures of Luger with the world title, damn it. No, that, that's true. That happened. What was that? That was a that was a that was a that was a wrestling challenge uh, home video exclusive. He He won it. And then they taped an episode of him carrying the belt into Wrestling Challenge. What? Did, where did he win it? No, they they actually booked it after, assuming that he won it. It was oh, it was it was a taping. Zuna. Yeah. So they they did a taping. They did they taped it twice with him with the belt and with him without the belt. But didn't mention it to the audience. Right. Okay, gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha, gotcha. That yeah, one is yeah, true. Yeah. That's not a Mandela effect. That and true, poor but... Lex got screwed by Ric Flair when he won the belt from Barry, and they did the same thing that AWA did with, with Hennig. He's the baby, he's the baby, and he wins the belt, he's a heel. Yeah. Remember Hennig hit the roll of coins, yeah. and all of a sudden yeah. he's a heel. Well, Come again, th- th- this is Vern Gagne's uh, formula. He wanted the baby faces to chase. So with this match, I said this is a perfect match Rockers are on the the on the the wrestling uh, universe's uh, mouth. You could say everybody could be talking about them. The actors, the Meltzers, you know, PWI probably could give this match of the year uh, uh, candidacies or feud of the year candidacies for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. All this 
from this one match here. I have no problem. And, and this is one of those old things. Like, you didn't win the titles, but you won the street cred. You won the, the fans' hearts, and they they wanted you to be the champions, TW. Agree or disagree? Hell yeah, they did. Everyone did. I did. I, I mean, dude, at this point. They should have been. I'm like, did they never win the belts? Am I remembering them as champions, and they were never <laughs> champions? Because, like, I was confused by the first match because I'm like, oh, this is where they won the belts. I'm like, oh, neither one of them had belts. And, I, and then the second match, I'm like, okay, okay, this smash is, finish. Third match, wild. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, they never won the belts. All the time, the Rockers <laughs> have never been tag team champions ever. I'm there's like, a lot of Mandela. There's a lot of Mandela effects going on here. Reflection. I, again, it's 2020. Deuce. A lot of people are forgetting a lot of things. We're getting older here. That's what it is. Now let's right. go to the fourth match, which I will say should have been for the tag team titles, which it wasn't. It was just a straight up personal grudge match in a steel cage. AWA always booked it for some reason. I don't know why they didn't do this, but this was Christmas night, St. Paul, Minnesota. It should have been for the tag team titles. It just wasn't. It was just so personal. It was in a cage match. The Rockers won, again, the high cross body. Everybody drew blood. It was okay to me, but, I, again, it wasn't for the titles. It should have been. It should have been. What happened? What the hell happened? I'm going to post amputee wrestlers all April. That guy was all April. Come on. What? I, I don't, oh, and the Texas Tornado. That is true. But anyway, <laughs> see Reflection Ice, you get to see the quandaries that we go that I go through with TW. He always does not pay attention to me. But anyway, TW, let's I focus here. Attention. It's hilarious. Let, let's focus here. This should have been for the tag team titles. It wasn't. It was the cage match. This is what you're talking about. This is the ultimate payoff, the Christmas night show, the biggest show in AWA, you know, the, the highest gate, the highest, you know, sums of money for all for all four of these gentlemen here. And it just the Rockers got the win, but they didn't get the payoff. Why did? Well, I'm not going to say why he did it, but TW, I felt cheated. They won, but they didn't win. What say you? When they won. And the commentator said, they finally done it. They've said they were going to do it all along. They beat the tag team champions. And I went, why is he still calling them the tag team champions? <laughs> he should have said they beat them for the tag team champions. Then they're sitting there, and then this is where my problem comes. That's problem A. Problem B is, and I, I get it, it's Burns' tactic. They push Sean out, beat the shit out of Marty for 10 more minutes. Mm-hmm. And so, all right, they're keeping the feud going. But. Sean finally gets in there to save Marty. Marty cowers away like a bad B movie and goes, get off me gut. Like he thinks Sean's beating him up, right? Like the Hogan warrior bumping into each other. Like, And then Marty Jannetty sets the Guinness Book of World Record for climbing over the top of the cage. That was quick. To go do a promo. I thought he went out to kick their ass some more. He's in there selling, oh, 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 in the bloody match. Did you mm-hmm. see when Buddy Rose picked him up and dropped him on that damn junior high cafeteria chair that's made mm-hmm. out of gold and granite, just right on the top of the thing? And the I, conference room chair, yeah, that's what it was. I'm like, I'm like, he just fucking killed him. I'm like, like he didn't even let him land on the soft part. He put him right on the top where his feet are never going to touch the floor first. 
And he bounced off it so bad. But you I said it yourself that the Wiley vets it. But but you said it yourself that the Wiley veterans they got to stiffen them up. They got to toughen them up, right? You got to give them. You got to give them a little bit. That's what it I is. Did. Oh, he killed him. Killed him. And, and TW in this cage match, I want I want to point out one other thing that that I actually thought was a black mark in uh in wrestling fandom when some jabroni in the front row threw soda at Sensational Sherry. She that looked hotter to me. Right after that, she looked hotter to me. No, but... Soaking what? But that's... I mean, I get it, T.W. I mean, you know, in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 70s, you know, people threw things at the heels. So I have no problem with, you know, you throwing that classy Freddie Blassie and all that stuff. That's... I guess maybe I'm just trying... You know, that's a woman, T.W. You gotta... You're treating her like trash. I, I guess hey, I, she, she I draw a line. She by it. She looked upset by it, too. Like, man, what the fuck? <laughs> it's not serious. It's, I'm playing a character here. What are you doing? And this dress costs a lot of money. Now I'm going to have to throw it in the same dumpster as their white tights. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I'm maybe I'm, I'm not trying to be misogynistic. I just I just draw a line. Like, you don't do that to the – you want to call her a slut? Call her a slut. Maybe I – but don't throw trash something Trash bag hoe. Yeah, yeah sure. call her a trash bag hoe, but don't throw stuff at her, T.W. That, that was my uh, little uh, pet peeve here, T.W., but – TW, the third match in Vegas, I you know they were slow. It was slow and steady. Did the cage make it better? Well, I'm not. I guess I'm not asking the question right. With the chemistry, did the cage make it better or make it tougher in the in the cage? Let's see, and then we'll go on to the final match. I'm gonna say it made it tougher because it's weird that they still did tag rules, right? A lot of times you got tag team cage matches. They're just all four beating the shit out of each other, like like the War Games or or uh, well, you know, Rock and Roll Express and the Minnesota Record Crew. No, I know that same mantra. I know, I know, but it's just it's weird to me, right? Okay. So, I one thing I have learned from doing this show, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to tell you, as a fan, two thumbs up for Steel's Cage matches. It felt like a big deal. It felt like wow. I was I've said this a million times on the show. I thought Hulkamania was coming to an end against King Kong Bundy. I just knew it, you know, even though the, mm-hmm. the cage was for Hogan's benefit. It just felt like they were stacking the deck against him. He already had the broken ribs. So when you're all in as a fan and you're buying it and you don't realize it's a work, cage matches are pretty exciting. As a right. guy who's wrestled, as a guy who's now on year 40 of watching this shit or 35, mm-hmm. I've learned between Tully and Magnum, between the Rockers and Rose and Summers, um, Warrior Rude, which I thought was good when I was a kid. I don't really know. I think Brett Owens was a good wrestling match. It just happened to be in a cage. Um, mm-hmm. So I won't even I won't even put Warrior Rude in there. I, I, I would put every Hogan cage match because it was the same. Or just someone getting thrown into the fucking blue steel and selling their back. They're just not good matches. They're not. You know, mm-hmm. and... I think Ronnie Garvin, Ric Flair, and, and Cobo Hall is a good match because they wrestled, and it was just cat and mouse, like Ric Flair trying to get out. But they weren't using the cage as a weapon. It, I mean, they were, but they weren't. They were still wrestling, and that's really what it was. I rig- originally, the idea was the cage wasn't going to be a weapon. It was just keeping people in and out. You still wrestled. But this mm-hmm. cage, if every time Sean gets whipped to the ropes, his back hits the cage. That's how close it is. There's no spacing for like a WWE cage now, you actually got to get launched into the thing to clear the rope and hit it. 
I'm sure they got, they had marks on their backs after the absolutely, match. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um so I would I would absolutely say and what do you mean? Does it make it harder for them to work or harder to have a good match? Either way. It's the same thing. It's Either harder. Or. It's harder. Yeah. And it's funny because Steel Cage is the one match I never had. I had ladder matches. I had no fucking scalpel match, and I wouldn't. But, I, you know, mm-hmm. real matches. I've been in a Royal Rumble style, a Battle Royal style. I've been in a Survivor Series style. I've been in a ladder match. I've been in a uh, submissions match. I've been in a Falls Count Anywhere match. I've been in every kind of match but a cage match, and there's not one part of me that regrets that I never got in a cage match. And, you know, there's there's truth in, in fiction. And, and one of the things that you hear, and I would gather, you know, when people hear it, they're probably like, bullshit, you're going to be here in 10 years. They say hell in the cell and cage matches shave 10 years off your career. Obviously, it's not 10 years mm-hmm. off your career at least. But it's shaving 10 years off of your body towards the end of your life. You're going to remember that cage when you're 80. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there, you know, it's like I'm sure you've hurt yourself. I broke my neck. I broke my wrist. I broke my hand. I hurt. I broke my, not my wrist, my collarbone. I, I folded my leg in half, but it didn't break. It was all sprained. When it's cold like this, every single one of them hurt like I did it today. The joints like, hurt. It, yeah. it, it's, it's just, and so you're mortgaging your future in there. And so when, when they tell you on TV, this match shortens careers. It's really shortening quality of life. It's it's especially if the guys are bumping into the cage and that hell mm-hmm. in the cell. They're taking bumps on that grate. They're coming off the top of the pod onto the grate. They're coming. Oh, you talking the about the elimination the chamber? Yeah, elimination chamber. Well, obviously mm-hmm. the hell in the cell is gonna. There's gonna come a day of reckoning for for Taker and for Mick Foley. Mick Foley. Like, why, yeah. Why did I why did I do that? No yeah. one throws my friend, but uh. For sure. The, uh, yeah, the Rockers should have got the the titles here, but absolutely, one hundred percent, they should have got the belts here. They got the win. They got a pin. It wasn't even like a a run over the top of the cage and you won like a coward. Because I hated that pin. I to this mm-hmm. day, and we've talked about it. The way Hogan grandstanded over the top of the cage, it's it's a clear, undeniable victory. He mm-hmm. beat the guy so bad that he could climb to the top rip his shirt off, and then climb the rest of the way over. It wasn't the coward's way out. Skirting out that door, coward's way out. Mm-hmm. Coming over the top rope and poking the guy in the eye to get down, coward's way out. Beating a man to his ending and then going up over, what they should do, we should do this with our new promotion. you yeah, got to so- submit a guy and then climb over the top. That way the mm-hmm. guy submitting has a chance to stop you from getting out. Then, then that submission is null and void. Right. Here's two problems with the last two matches. The cage match and then the match January 27th, 1987, where they finally, reflectionized, they finally become AWA Tag Team Champions because they booked it as their last opportunity for the title, for a title shot, TW. So I'm trying to explain here to the right. and to yourself. Two Look problems with the last rapping. Yeah, two problems with these last two matches. They weren't on ESPN. So you had to be local. This had to be local TV, and probably the VHS video cassettes where you see the best of '86 AWA in '86 and best of AWA in '87. So no one saw the accomplishment. Like I said, the ESPN one, that the third one, which I thought was beautiful and perfect, that was on national cable TV, where the Rockers should have won. That's where I go with it. So January 27, 1987, again, TW, it's their last opportunity, and they finally win. 
And I'm going to look at it this way. You know, the chemistry is there. The maturity is there for the for the Midnight Rockers. Again, you even talk about, you know, Shawn Michaels is gaining confidence, gaining uh, style points with his long – his hair is getting longer. The confidence is there between himself Their and Marty Their outfits are getting better. Their, yeah, their outfits is getting better. They had to win because if they did not win, not a, not a, not a, they would have just left. And they actually left earlier in 87. A lot of people didn't notice. They left earlier in 87, and then they got fired in the WWF. On day one. On day, day one. one. Then they had to come back to the AWA to, like, you know, serve penance and then go back to the WWF in 88. So, TW, let's put this all in a bow. The maturity that the Midnight Rockers earned from these wily veterans in their 20s. You even said that you wrestle in your 20s. You know, to me, Marty Jannetty should get a lot of, you know, he doesn't get a lot of credit. You know, the, the running joke is who is the Marty Jannetty of the of the team? It's always it's always the running joke. And even you explained it that even the wrestlers said who is the Marty Jannetty of the team. But being the Marty Jannetty of the Rockers, he nurtured Shawn Michaels. He mentored Shawn Michaels. Even having, you know, two years older than Shawn Michaels, he looked like he was wrestling for maybe eight years. He was wrestling since he was 15, and he was learning his craft and probably gained more street cred than even Shawn Michaels. He, he looked like a wet-in-the-behind-the-ears wet virgin. That's the way I looked at it. Marty should be given a lot more credit than he is given. What's ATW? And we put a bow in this greatest rivalries. I, I would say... And again, you said it yourself. I didn't really know too much about this rivalry because um, I don't. I didn't have it. You know. Uh, mm-hmm. um, when I watched them in WWE, they were a team. I did not. I did not like Sean more than I liked Marty. I didn't like Marty more than I liked Sean. I liked the Rockers, and so much so that when when Sean was by himself and Marty was with Al Snow, who I fucking know. Nope, mm-hmm. <laughs> nope, uh-uh, they ain't the new rockers. You can call yourself something else, but you ain't the new rockers because a Marty and Al is almost like two Martys, right? Like, he'd have mm-hmm. been better off with, like, Steve Dunn is his t- or Steve Dow, whatever that guy. I think it's, t- it's Timothy Weld and Stephen Dunn. Yeah, Stephen Dunn was Steve Dow. Um, somebody like that would have made more sense than – but there was a time in the WWE when they were both blonde. People don't realize that either, where he had um, – Who was had, blonde? Uh, Marty, he went almost like Warrior Blonde. Like, Warrior was never all the way blonde, but it was so light brown that it looked like after oh. Warrior became champion, he had the little thing on his face. Instead of mm-hmm. putting his whole face paint on, he had the little one, and he had okay. that spiked-up hair like pink and Carrie Underwood wear for Sunday Night Football. <laughs> he was he was, he was was blonde with dark highlights or dark with blonde highlights. Marty was like that. So they looked like twin brothers at points, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Watching this back... Marty's the lead dog. Every match, hands down. Sean is better in the end, the the match where they finally win the belts, meaning mm-hmm. he's on par with Marty. But he is – they're peas in a pod. Like, But I, I'm telling you, the whole time I'm watching, and I'm blown away that Shawn Michaels is 20 years old, and, and, and I've read his book. I've read both of his books. He liked wrestling, but he didn't grow up wanting to be one. He, he just – he just decided he didn't want to be a football player in college, and and he saw wrestling and thought, I think I can do that. Was doing moonsaults off boats and practicing before. And a lot of people don't know this. 1986, Shawn Michaels moonsaulting off the top rope like that. His first dude in the states doing it. 
that stuff they do in Japan and Mexico, nobody's doing that here. He didn't yeah. do it to to anybody. He just did. He's one of the. Things. He's one of the first to like showcase that in the in America. You're all right. Yeah, yeah. I so, think he's credited for being the first guy in the U.S. to do a moonsault, right. at least on a national level. Um, and like I said, he didn't do it to anybody. He just did it to showboat. But he's he's almost fifty years old when he makes his comeback, and one of the most beautiful moonsaults I've ever seen. I think it was against Vader. Where he did the moonsault, where Vader was standing up, and they, mm-hmm. they land almost like if Undertaker caught him, he could tombstone like the RKO out of nowhere, and and right. they I don't know if it was to finish, but well, it was he wasn't he, he was, wasn't twenty when he did that, he was thirty, he was in his thirties. No, 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 no. I'm saying I, 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 there was a comma there. I'm saying oh, okay. even when he was towards the end, he was still moonsault. He moonsault mm-hmm. Cena to the floor. Right. I think he did Cena, um, and he mm-hmm. would do that. Second rope moons. He did it to the Undertaker, yeah, in the yeah, WrestleMania yeah. twenty fives. Yeah, and so, so they they did they they did that you know so so effortlessly in eighty six that I mean that's better than Bulldogs like if that right there because eighty six I'm all in on the British Bulldogs and they mm-hmm. did rolling flips and stuff like that but nobody was doing no damn moonsaults and and full you know backflips off anything and. Wow. And I like, and I understand why you put them a little bit higher than the Rock and Roll Express and a little bit higher than the Fantastic because they're the most fluid team with the gimmick of being the hardest. Like every tag was something. The the Rocker, what what, what was the finishing move called? The Rockerplex or yeah, give or take. Yeah, we'll call it the Rockerplex. When Marty did the suplex and Sean did the crossbody. Mm-hmm. The rocker drop was the leg drop that paralyzed that dude. They both did that. They did the fist drop from opposite corners to the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, they did. Um, funny enough, as I'm watching this, I think I told you this before. When I first formed Los Rudos with uh, Rico, John Muse, who who came up with the idea, who made made the name. I made my own name, and Rico kept his. But he made me a, mm-hmm. a VHS tape of nothing but rockers mm-hmm. brainbuster matches and. They're they're better than these. They're they're somewhere I have that tape somewhere too because it's all rockers brainbusters and then me and Rico doing a TV interview uh, on mm-hmm. a TV show. Um, but rockers brainbusters, there's a spot that we stole where the rockers get bumped and then leave Sean to the corner. Then they go to do a double atomic drop to Marty or double suplex. Sean catches them, sets them down. And then when the brainbusters turn around, double super double kick. drop. Oh, double super double, kick. Okay. Double super the, kick. Mm-hmm. Me and me and Rico were the young bucks before the young bucks because we were <laughs> we were in nineteen ninety six. We were doing super kicks by the dozens. It, it's cyclical, you know. You copy the rockers. The the Hardy the Boys copy the, the Rudos. Yeah, you're right. The 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 Hardy Boys copied the Rockers, and then now the the Young Bucks copied the Hardy Boys. But there's always a six degrees of separation reflection. And with that being said, we close the greatest rivalries here at 2020 Deuce here on the PWR podcast here at the PWR Networks at Podbean.com. And you know what? I'm gonna keep TW on his toes for next week. So we'll we'll see. Maybe we do another spotlight. Maybe we'll do episodic. We ain't going to the movies yet because I don't know what, what kind of movies. I don't know what Hulk Hogan uh, monstrosity movie I want to see right now. So I'm not th- looking at Hulk Hogan right now. I'll try, Have I'll we probably, done a rock one? Uh, do you want to do a rock one? I mean, there's plenty to choose from that are garbage and good. So 
Well, we could do uh, we could do the Fast and Furious. <laughs> nope, I've never seen one of them, and I'm not ending that streak. How about I think his first movie was The Rundown. That that's a good movie. It's I mean, oh, I'll bet you. You mean the first things. starring role, or you want to yeah, do a? Yeah. Okay, well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll we'll do it this year. There'll be a rock movie that we're gonna go to, but I'll keep you on your toes, TW. I'll keep you on your toes. Let's give give out those socials for the first time in 2020, Deuce, and then we'll get out of yeah. Shit, I don't know if I can because we're using my phone because of the technical glitches. Well, let me see. Remember, my, hold on, hold on, remember off the top of your head. I do, but I won't remember the ones that you need me to say. So, all right. So, hold up. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. Harlem Heat Spotlight. Uh, let's see. Where are you at? Uh, yeah, it's not looking good. Tw- not Twitter. Looking- I know Twitter. It's PW Reflection Reflectionites. I do know that Travis Bolt has nuts and bolts. It's nuts and bolts wrestling. What is it? Nuts and bolts PW. Okay. Penis whipped um, mm-hmm. at something.com. See, it's, it, it's, forget. my goodness. It's okay. I'll try, I'll try. What about yours? Give me yours. At Tommy Wonder 19 is both Instagram, which is fun times, and Twitter, mm-hmm. which is me healing on some of the dumbest people in the history of dumb people who think they know politics when all they know is regurgitating shit someone told them that isn't true. Uh, okay. Also, at the Tommy Wonder, which is becoming harder and harder to not destroy some of these dumbass wrestling fans. There's a lot of fun, cool ones, um, mm-hmm. but that one. And then at the Tommy Wonder, well, that's that one. Uh, number wonder is my Snapchat. Not one of you fuckers has Snapchatted me yet. Uh, and then Facebook.com backslash Tommy. I don't need you. I mean the fans. Backslash Tommy. Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. Um, and I I do have a TikTok. TikTok. I made it need Tommy Wonder. And oh, I'm Lord. gonna start. I'm gonna start doing. I got an idea. Let me get some feedback from the eight fans. I'm gonna call opening lines with Tommy Wonder, and I'm gonna sing the first two lines of a song. And make name that tune. You got to tell me what it is. Because if I sing with music, oh, it's copywritten. So I'm just acapella and the shit. I'm gonna sing the opening two lines. Call it opening lines with TW. Name that tune, and then people can T- watch Coupon, it. That's your that's your homework assignment, Josh. Yeah. Homework, that's your yeah. that's your homework yeah. assignment. Yeah. Go on yeah. TikTok and and answer his call there. So shout outs to yeah. Jimmy T Patreon. and Chris Hambones. PWC Network at Powerbeam.com and of course Big Beetle Brand of course their Twitch at Wixsite.com and backslash Patreons and all that stuff and of course you can find me on my Twitter at PWSPROF that's PWSPROF TW what about Dumb Dumb doing the idiot you, you eating oh, any yeah. crap or are you going to take a break from eating crap they, for 2020 they just did a video without me where they did a chug contest but we have some really really hot beef jerky that we're doing soon which I have already been told we will not finish, but we're supposed to try. And it's the Skullville unit is like 16 million, which would be the highest we've got. Uh, we were at the bar the other night, and he's got these pieces of chocolate that escalate in heat. And mm-hmm. he just handed them out to people. And this one buddy of ours, Brian, I'll do that. Yeah, he made it to like the third piece out of five. Yeah, you're not getting through it. And then Dumb Matt, he's Dumb Dumb, had the Death Nuts, which have like dust from the seasoning on there, and touched mm-hmm. his eyes with it at the karaoke bar. And, then we have friends bringing us hot cheese. She's my friend. She's like, here, try this, Tommy. I go, absolutely not. And the fun fact about me is they're all asking me, would you eat all that hot stuff on video? I go, and why do they call me an idiot? Because I don't like it. I don't like hot foods. I get hot food. I get hot sauce taken off of shit. I don't add it. 
but because I'm an idiot with this video and they want to do it, which by the way are strumming fish. Live, the, highest live the gimmick. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, live I, the I gimmick. I like tasting food, and when you get your tonsils burned and the tongue and the taste buds, nothing. The first thing I ever did was the one chip challenge. Everything mm -hmm. for four days tasted like metal. It was brutal. Nothing. The beer tasted nasty. The only thing that tasted normal was cold things. Like if I ate ice cream, it tasted fine. Mm -hmm. Or if I or if I drank coffee, coffee tasted fine. But if it was just like a, a a glass of pop or a glass of water with ice, not frozen, but just whatever, no taste at all. Beer, no taste. Of, just tasted like licking a metal can. And I hated it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be long for this gimmick. Here I am a year and a half later still doing the dumb shit. Because you love doing it. You love eating crap. And with that being said, I'm the professor. That's the Iron Stomach one, Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder saying good night, and we'll see you next time. We'll try to be better fluid. We'll try to be like the Rockers, more fluid for 2020 Deuce because we had a little hiccups here. But, again, we've been out for a year, so give us a break, all right? We'll see you next time, Reflectionize, here at the PWSL Networks at Podbeam.com on the Pro Wrestling Reflection. Good night, Reflectionites. Uh, ooh.